accountability to a higher authority, Grama Ben Nizokin Potter. Back in 1965, Hebrew National Sausage Company in New York created the advertising campaign of We're Accountable to a Higher Authority. The campaign was the government says you can use a certain percentage of non-meat ingredients that we don't. The government says you yeah, have a lot of things we don't. Why don't we do it? Because we're accountable to a higher authority, we're kosher. And the, the New York Times considered that to be the longest running and most successful advertising campaign in history. We're accountable to a higher authority. But what does it really mean? We'll, we'll see today what that, what that means and how we understand it. The Gemara deals with four cases. First case is, Haporetz Geder Bifnei Behemat Chavero. A person opens the door of a pen of, of animals. We're now into Perik HaKonez. This is the sixth Perik of, of Bava Kamen. And then the animals walk out and the, the owner loses the animals. And a man sees there's a fire that's passing his neighbor's field, but not hitting his neighbor's field. So he bends the wheat over so that the wheat will be in the pathway of the fire and the, and the fire will catch onto his field. And a person who hires false witnesses to give evidence in a trial. And the fourth one, a person who could help his friend get off a charge uh, because he has evidence that would help his friend and he doesn't, he doesn't come forward with the, with the evidence. In all of those cases, if one were to say to the, to the person, what did you do? But say nothing, I just opened the gate. I didn't, I didn't tell the animals to go. I didn't touch the animals. I just bent the wheat down. I didn't light the fire. It's not my fire. In each one of these cases, he says, I, didn't really, I really didn't, didn't really do anything. The din in these cases of these wicked actions, they really are evil. These four actions, as evil as they are, Omar Rabbi Yeshua, Arbad Varim, these four things, Haoseotan patur midinei adam v'chayav bedinei shamay. If you do these four things, a court of law cannot hold you liable. Hashem holds you liable. And these are, are cases, Rashi says, why is that? Because Rabbi Yeshua holds that kasavar grama benezakin patu, this is indirect damage, and Rabbi Yeshua holds, and we pass in that way, that indirect damage is patu. A court can't hold you liable for indirect damage, but the Rebbe Hashem does hold you liable. You're, you're accountable to, to a higher authority. We'll deal with this today and we'll, we'll continue with it tomorrow, although as usual, each year is a standalone, but be busy with this idea for two days at least. The three foundational questions, just to open the, the gates to this sugya that we have throughout, uh, throughout Nezikin, the idea of groma benizokin, indirect damages, and the fact that a court of law can't enforce and can't uh, hold a person liable, but Minashamayim from heaven, we do. he is held reliable, Hashem holds him liable. To understand the three things we need to look at. The one thing is, why are you potomidineado? These actors, these four cases are evil. It's quite clear what your intention was. There's, there's no question about that. Why can a court of law not hold him, hold him liable? Secondly, what does it mean, Chayav Bidine Shamayim? Hashem holds you liable. So what? What does that mean? And the third thing is, Chayav Bidine Shamayim, does that mean? Shamayim requires that you pay the damages, although a court of law can't enforce the damages. Shamayim requires, heaven requires that you pay the damages, Hashem requires that you pay the damages. Or does it mean Chayav Bedine Shamayim, you Chayav Onesh, Hashem will punish you for your bad intentions, even though you're not obligated to pay. 
Those are the first three things that we need to get some, some kind of clarity on. The Tur Medine Adam, why a court of law cannot enforce, enforce it? Here we learn one of the most foundational principles in human relationships. This is not just about laws of damages and, and the dinim of Groma. From this sugi, we learn one of the most important principles in human relationships. And that is, humans can judge actions, humans can't judge intentions. That we, we're not able to do that, we're not able to do that, we're not permitted to do that. We don't know. People's intentions are secret. People's intentions are complex. And we're not in a position to, to deal with that. What we are in a position to deal with is, is a person's actions. And that's what a court of law deals with. What did you do? Not what did you intend and what was your thought and how were you raised as a child and uh, do you have some, some disorder which is causing you to do? It's just that's irrelevant. Other than a case of a shoter, a shoter, a katan, somebody who's severely challenged in these areas, but in any other case, we don't go into the psychotherapy of the person to figure out what his intentions are. Court of law judges an action, that's all we can do. And from that we learn not just a court of law, because we're each our own court of law, we're, all, we're always judging. When you become conscious of it and you realize how many times, not a day, how many times an hour or, or even less than that, we're making judgments. Uh, so we see something, we, we, we react, we respond in, inside ourselves, there's a judgment going on. So we've got to understand, can't judge intentions. I don't know what your intentions are, it's not my business what your intentions are, we're just talking about the action, the action's not okay. And so that's a principle that we're in, even a court of law, even a based in, is not in a position to judge these cases where the act itself was harmless. Indirectly, it was harmful, and the intention was evil. But he, what he did, he didn't do a destructive act. He bent some wheat. He opened a gate. These are not things you're not allowed to do. In the context of everything, it was very negative and very destructive, but you've got to throw the intention in. If he didn't know that there were animals in that pen at all, if the animals were far away and he opened a gate thinking there was no, nothing being protected, that wouldn't be a problem. So the act of opening the gate is not the problem. The real problem is the intention. For intentions, we don't, pass, we don't judge. That we leave to Hashem. Hashem judges intentions, and not just intentions on their own. That's a different area. What is the status of a person's intentions if they're not translated into actions? But where there are actions, the, the severity of the action is impacted by the intention in Dinei Shamayim, in Hashem's Beisdeh. In Hashem's court of law, intention will impact the, the severity of the crime of the action. But in our courts of law, it's not relevant. We've just got to look at the action. We've got to judge people according to the actions. And therefore, in these cases where the actions themselves are, are not actions of nezek, patu adam What does that mean? You're morally, you're morally responsible. You're not legally responsible, but you're morally responsible. But I don't even like using that word because in the secular world, when we talk about moral responsibility, what does that mean? It means that you're responsible to your own conscience. Nobody can enforce. You're not accountable to any other force. You're accountable to yourself. That's what moral responsibility is. If we say to somebody, look, you have no legal responsibility, but morally what you're doing is not right. What do we mean by that? That you should have a sense of your own your own sense of conscience that what you're doing is not right. But in Torah, that's not what moral conscience is, what moral responsibility is. Moral responsibility in the Torah is, I am accountable to another authority. I'm accountable to Hashem. 
So we have two legal systems. There actually isn't such a thing as moral obligation. In all cases, it's legal obligation. It's legal obligation enforced by a human court of law or legal obligation enforced by a godly court of law. There are two courts of law. There are two systems of law. And they work side by side. And there can be situations such as this where the one system of law cannot hold you liable, but the other system of law can. So we don't have this thing of you're just responsible to your own conscience. Why, what, is, what does that mean? What is your own conscience? Why should your own conscience hold you responsible? For what? You, we're always accountable. It's not just responsible. We are accountable to someone. We are accountable to society represented by Bezdin. Or we are accountable to the world as represented by Hashem and his Bezdin. And those are the two things. So in this case where the person has caused indirect damage, I'm not accountable to the, legal, to the human legal system, but I'm accountable to the world. And that's enforceable by Hashem. Hashem will find his ways to extract payment from me for doing these terrible things. It's not something that the, the, the court of law will do. And one can almost say in, in, a, in a way that they're almost too evil to be dealt with in a court of law. Because when somebody does something that is clearly wrong, the action is wrong, there's a chance he'll do tshuva. He understands, I did something wrong. And, but here where he justifies himself, where he's able to say, I didn't do anything, it wasn't my fault, what did I do? I didn't give evidence, I hired somebody else. He didn't have to agree. But then he gave the evidence, I didn't say anything. So he's, he's always, this, this justification makes the tshuva process, the process of repentance, highly unlikely. And so it's almost as if Hashem is saying, leave this one to me. Don't you get in a bait in. If a bait in gets in, you're giving him a way of doing, of doing tshuva. This is something I need to deal with. It's, it requires a, a higher level of, of treatment. Now, what does chayev bedine shamayim mean? Does that mean you're obligated to pay or you're obligated that Hashem will punish the person? So we have a Yerushalmi here. From our Gemara, it's not clear. From our Gemara, it just says, patur medine adam chayev bedine shamayim. You are not accountable in a court of law. You are accountable to Hashem. In the Yerushalmi, you remember we have two Gemorahs. There were two of these long, multi-century debates that took place, one in Israel, one in Babylon, discussing the Torah Shabbat Peh, discussing the oral law. And we study the, the Bavli, we study the, the Babylonian debate, but we have access to the parallel debates that were taking place in Eretz Yisrael. And in the Yerushalmi, the wording is slightly different. Tani Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Arba En Chayavim L'Shalem Min Hadin, there are four cases where legally he doesn't have to pay. And yet heaven will not forgive him until he does pay. So what is the Yerushalmi saying? What does it mean? It's not that God will punish. That's not what it means. It means God requires you to pay. The court of law can't enforce it, but you are obligated to pay. You, you have an obligation from Shemaim, you have an obligation from Hashem to pay. And then it gives the, the four cases. The Shach says in the Shulchan Aruch, in Simen Lamed Beit, the Chayav Bedine Shemaim, the Shulchan Aruch uses Al Gemara's wording, not the Yerushalmi, it's just Ve'ena Shemaim, Tzu Bedine Adam, Ve'chayav Bedine Shemaim. And he says, Ve'ena Yotzei Yedei Shemaim, Ad Sheyeshalem Lo Hezeko. The Shach adds in, what the Shulchan Aruch means is, that you, you have an obligation to pay. 
It's an obligation imposed by Hashem, not imposed by a court. And that obligation remains upon you until you pay. That's what it actually means. So the Shach is saying that the Shulchan Aruch holds that the Yerushalmi is explaining the Bavli, not disagreeing with the Bavli. It's not as if, because when you look at the Yerushalmi and the Bavli, what you've got to ask yourself are these two different views. Is our Gemara saying, God will punish this person? And the Yerushalmi is saying, God requires this person to pay? To pay his friend, the money that he's, that he's caused him to lose? Or is the Yerushalmi explaining it? And we see from the Shach that the Shach is learning that this is one principle. The principle of Chayev Bidine Shemaim means that God requires this individual to pay, although a court of law can't enforce it. What in a case where there isn't an obligation to pay? But you've caused, you've caused damage. What would such a case be? This is where we'll take it further tomorrow, but we, can, but we can start with it today. What is such a case where there's no obligation to pay? I tell you to do something wrong. So, for example, in, in the Shulchan Aruch, he talks about a case as, what happens if I didn't hire a person to give false evidence? I didn't pay him. I just said, you know what, I would really appreciate it if you went to Bezin and you told a little white lie for me. That would really help me a whole lot. And the person goes and he does it. So I haven't paid him, I haven't hired him, I've just, I've just told him. In that case, we apply the principle of Ein Shliach Ludvar Avera. He's, got a, he's entitled to say, he's accountable to himself. He's also got to say, no, I'm not going to tell a white lie, not for you, not for myself, not for anybody. So the fact that he goes ahead and tells the lie means he's taken upon himself the responsibility. So Ein Shliach Ludvar Avera means that when you send somebody else to do something wrong on your behalf, the shaliach, he is accountable, not the person who sent him. Even though the person who sent him initiated it, but he is fully in moral control of himself to say, I'm not going to do it, and he chose to do it nevertheless. So here we have a case. If I didn't pay you to, to give false evidence, I simply enticed you to give false evidence. Using my charm and charisma, I persuaded you to give false evidence, and you went ahead and did it. I don't have to pay. What is the din in such a case? Says the Shulchan Aruch, in such a case, if he didn't hire the, the witness, he just seduced him into doing something wrong. With words. In such a case, there is no payment. Even Medine Shamay. Ask the Shach. This is a little difference based on the toast for some tomorrow's daf, which we'll learn. Because dafte in Shliach Litvara Vera Mikhaev Bidine Shamayim. We've learned and Tosfus proves. That even though ein shliach ledvaravera, that means the sh- the person who sends you, I who persuade you to tell the lie in court, you cause a loss to the third person. You have to pay for the loss. Mid shamayim, I don't have to pay for the loss. Why? Because ein shliach ledvaravera. However, says the says the shach, we know that you chayav bedine shamayim. Says the Shach, my view is different from the Shulchan Aruch. My view is that a person is always responsible to pay, even if he can't, can't be enforced by Bezdin, wherever you cause damage to somebody else, no matter how indirect. There's a moral obligation to pay. Hashem holds you responsible. You can't come along and say it was, it was Groma. This was indirect damage. It's indirect damage, so a, a based in a court of law can't enforce, enforce the payment. But you are responsible to pay for any damage you cause, whether directly or indirectly. A very important shach in this sugi that we have to know and remember. That the shach holds, Gromer is not an out. 
Groma is just a technical inhibitor that doesn't allow a court of law to enforce the payment. But the obligation to pay remains no matter how indirect the damage. Very important shach that, mo that most people don't, don't know about it, and yet it's, it's really important. The Tzesachoshin disagrees or explains the shach's question a little differently, and we'll, we'll deal with that tomorrow.